Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, May the 24th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins add another veteran. We'll tell you about the Adolphus Washington signing, plus a position change in the future for Bobby McCain. We'll discuss that and jump back in to the Twitter mailbag for your questions, and I will unveil my list reluctantly, of quarterbacks 1 through 32 in the NFL for the 2019 season and beyond to close out this show. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Himalaya, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In, however you get your podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have our other writers pumping out content to close out the week, plus my Josh Rosen piece, Mika Fitzpatrick piece, Kevin Dern's defensive analogs piece, as well as the Adolphus Washington free agent analysis piece up on LOD.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's dive right in. First down, today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Be there, do that, get rewarded, Hotels.com. We have a new Dolphin to talk about as the Miami Dolphins made a roster move on Thursday to go ahead and bring in defensive tackle a three-year veteran formerly from Ohio State where he played with Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. He was drafted in the third round by the Buffalo Bills, number 80 overall in 2016. He spent time last year on Dallas Cowboys practice squad and the Cincinnati Bengals. Adolphus Washington joins the Dolphins from that Bengals team. He ended the season on the injured reserve after a four-game stint with the Bengals. He was cut from the Bills in week one, picked up by Dallas on the practice squad, and then signed off the practice squad before the week five game against our Miami Dolphins. He picked up one one sack last year. He has four and a half career sacks across those three years with 62 tackles, and he played only 102 snaps last year, just 9% of the Bengals' reps because of that injury that landed him on the injured reserve. In 2017, he played 509 snaps. That's 45.9% of the Bills' reps. And 2016, he played 330. That was good for 30.8%. And I think that 2017 range of about 500 snaps is probably what the Dolphins are going to expect from him. He's six foot four. He weighs 303 pounds. I think he's probably a better pass rusher than he is against the run. He tends to come out of that stance a little bit high at times, and he's very thin below the knees, very thin ankles and calves. And that's where a lot of the power comes from for these guys. And you can recognize that when he has very poor contact balance when he gets engaged. He's not going to engage, disengage, and make a tackle very often. He's not strong enough at the point of attack to do that. Like I said, he comes out of that rep or the stance way too high and that can get him off balance at times but he's very quick he has a great crossover step he has violent hands 
active hands and active feet. He's difficult to reach for a guard or center to come across his face and make a block that way. So he wins with quickness, probably more of a one-gapper that way, and a guy that's probably not going to do a whole lot in terms of read and react two-gap defense. I think he's probably best as a situational pass rush sub-package player, like a third-down nickel type of rusher, but also to give Devon Godshaw a breather as the number two defensive tackle. And if we look at his PFF grades and data, it's not very impressive. You go back to 2017, he was the 178th rated defensive tackle from PFF. He had just seven pressures on 262 pass rush reps. That's good for a paltry 2.6 PRP. He committed eight penalties as well. So you figure he's going to make plenty of trips to Brian Flores' TNT wall. You go forward to last season and that PRP jumped way up, up to 10.3% with six pressures on 58 pass rush snaps. But I think all things told, this is a guy the Dolphins are going to take a gamble on. It's been kind of their new MO. Take a risk on a former high draft pick like Tank Carradine like Nate Orchard, and this is a thing the Patriots did previously when Brian Flores was there, signing guys that kind of were cast-offs off previous teams that were high draft picks like a Danny Shelton, for instance. Buy low on them and hope you can reclimate them, and maybe you get a comp pick for them next year, or maybe they become a part of the rotation, and he figures to contribute on the team this year, and hopefully he can do that as well going forward, because Washington, still very young. He's just 24 years old. He turns 25 in November. And I want to go ahead and shift gears here because I saw something on a message board that I frequent, thefins.com, and this comes from poster Lloyd Hellebrun. I don't know his name, but I appreciate him putting this information out there. I haven't listened to the podcast myself, but apparently on the Audible podcast, we've heard this story or these, these notions that reporters aren't supposed to put out information regarding positions guys are playing in, and it makes total sense because right now, the Dolphins' defense, by and large, is pretty much going to be a mystery for most teams up until week number one, but Kim Bocamper on the team's official podcast mentioned that Bobby McCain has been playing some safety position, and I wonder how much validity there is to that because one, the safeties in this defense are going to come down and cover. We talked about that on the Minka Fitzpatrick exploration, how Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty both played like 250 and 400 snaps respectively, 600 combined coming down and covering in that slot position, and that might be McCain's role when he comes onto the field as the fifth defensive back on those third down situations because the third player or the fifth player on the field for defensive backs typically was the safety in Deron Harmon. So maybe McCain can play that third safety role and you keep Xavier Howard and Eric Rowe on the field. And then when you want to go dime defense, maybe McCain is the safety that comes on the field and you get slot cornerback Jalen Davis on the field as well. And you get better at coverage opposed to putting a guy like TJ McDonald out there who's not going to do well in man coverage or a guy like Rashad Jones whose man cover skills aren't as good as the rest of his game is but for McCain he's got range he's instinctive playing that slot position you deal with two-way goes which is basically the opportunity for the receiver to get an inside or outside release every single time so you know that McCain can change directions well that way he's a very good willing tackler which for a guy his size is pretty rare he's a good blitzer too I saw him get a sack in person last year in the Buffalo game he knows how to cut down angles and break down on quarterbacks and get those guys to the ground 
but he is very undersized at just five foot nine, which is way, way smaller than the average safety in the NFL. I actually made a recommendation to this previous last season because I do think he has the traits where he could be a guy that can go back in the deep center field portion of the field and play that safety role. He doesn't have elite straight line speed, but I think the way he changes and reads and reacts, changes direction that is, I think he could be suited for a position like that. But again, this is kind of necessity out of what this defense asks defensive backs to do. So McCain at safety, it's a possibility, but it's probably much more likely that it's just part of the nickelback role he plays on this defense. Okay, we're going to come back into this podcast and jump into the Twitter mailbag. And coming up in the final segment, I'm going to reveal my quarterbacks for 2019, 1 through 32. And I'm sure everybody's going to agree because that's how it works in this business. We'll do all that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked on Fins. Continuing the Twitter mailbag from yesterday's show, we only got to a few of those questions. It's been a busy week on the podcast, a lot of content, a lot of episodes going over the 30-minute threshold, so I hope you guys are appreciative of the extra content this week, but I want to jump back into this Twitter mailbag and get to the rest of these questions. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond with your question. I answer it here on the air as well as give you a Twitter shout out. Let's go ahead and start here with this first question. And this one comes in from Cody O'Day. He is at AttractionLaw84. Do you believe that what you say or do during games has any real impact on the subsequential outcomes? I say I don't, but then proceed to lose all sensibility once kickoff commences. I used to be so, so superstitious. Like if I was sitting in a certain spot on the couch and they made a first down run stuff to like set up a second down and nine, I would stay there. Or I'd like go over to my computer chair and sit there and watch the game. Like I was so, so nervous about making sure that I was the one that wasn't going to cause the Dolphins to have a misstep because of my superstitions. But now I almost like to reverse it because I think ultimately, and I think most would agree that it is so stupid to have superstitions. So I try to get away from them. So no, not anymore. But I used to be the very, very worst at it. And I'm a ball player, man. I played baseball my entire life. So the the routine and the, and the the redundant going over the same things over and over again, that's part of my DNA as well. So I guess I have some of it in me that way. Next question from Dat Dude at SW32. With the team looking more 3-4-ish, name your front seven. Well, I'll say it again. The 3-4 and the 4-3 are going to be the two fronts the Dolphins run less than anything else. Their base package is going to be a 3-3 type of look. So six guys in the front seven. But as far as the front seven that I have, I would go with Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, and Charles Harris. I guess that's three players up or four players up front. But Charles Harris probably more as a linebacker role with Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker. And it's going to be Kiko Alonso. I can't argue that it's not going to be, but I'd prefer Andrew Van Ginkle. But those will be the seven that I'll go with in a 3-4. Next question from Brian Watson at Brian Watson 131. Over under John Denny is on the roster come week one. Well, sir, that's not really an over under, but I appreciate the gambling reference to it. But I think he will be because he never really messes up and he... I think he has something like nine or 10 kids. So he obviously needs, you know, to keep the income coming in as a long snapper. But I think that he pretty much as long as he wants to play, he's probably going to be here. Next question comes from Keith Stone at Keith Stone 424. Which offensive player do you see being an opening day surprise? Not necessarily a starter, but significant playing time. 
Frankly, I don't think there are going to be any surprises on the offense because we pretty much know who the top receivers are. We know about the quarterback battle. I think running back is pretty well divided between Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj. At tight end, it's pretty well sewn up there as, as well. On the offensive line, I still want to see someone beat out Dan Kilgore at center. I think that's a position you could see a surprise at, but my pick, who was Kirk Barron, is already cut from the team, so that's not going to happen. But if I have to pick one, I think Preston Williams is the easiest one, the receiver, the undrafted free agent from Colorado State. So I'll say Preston Williams, the receiver, or anybody to play center over Dan Kilgore. Next question from Craig Duraway. He's at C 12 on Twitter. Tell me, Travis, if Miami were to splash on someone via a trade, who would you like to see them go after? I think Duke Johnson from the Browns might make a lot of sense because he does want out of Cleveland and he's been kind of buried on that depth chart with the acquisition of Kareem Hunt and obviously Nick Chubb being in the fold there after a strong rookie season. He kind of falls out of favor and I still think the Dolphins backfield needs another guy, maybe even two more bodies in addition to what they have right now. So Duke Johnson might be a guy that I think makes some sense. As far as the splash trade, I don't think anything would make sense as far as going out and getting like a Bobby Wagner, for instance, from the Seahawks. But man, if they did that, I'd be all on board with it. Next question from Alex Blair. He's at Kaiser Finfan. More likely to make the roster, wide receiver Bryce Butler or tight end Nick O'Leary? I'm going to go with Nick O'Leary because I think that he serves the most prominent role as a backup to Chandler Cox. And if the Dolphins want to have this 21 personnel package, they have to have a backup, a guy that can fill in in game for Chandler Cox. And Bryce Butler, I think right now is the number five receiver, but I think that guys like Preston Williams, guys like even Isaiah Ford have a chance to step up and beat him out for that roster spot. So I'll go with Nick O'Leary. Next question here comes from Kevin, and I get your last name wrong every time. Is it Gerard? I think at Kevin Gerard 13, you mentioned studying to become a more knowledgeable football person. What would be the first book you would recommend to someone in that regard? Scouting Football Methods by Bill Belichick, or Steve Belichick rather, Bill Belichick's father is a great starter to find out just kind of some basic scouting mechanics and, and basic scouting techniques that he applies to the game. And it gives you an idea for like what an in-person scout would do at games and the best things to watch. I think that's a great baseline. Scouting Football Methods by Steve Belichick. Next question from Reparic at Reparic on Twitter. What are your overall impressions of how the current coaching staff is handling practices compared to prior coaching staffs? They have a clear emphasis on conditioning, teaching, and laying the groundwork for this fundamental-based scheme. And I like that because I talked about it on yesterday's podcast, going back to the Peyton Manning detail don't leave any stone unturned. Don't start on step number three. Start at step number one every single offseason and build into things, and that's what they're doing. And this is a basic install as far as offense and defense goes, but Brian Flores even said himself they're nowhere near finished installing all the packages and the offense and defense, and guys have so much more to go in terms of the knowledge of the game. Get the technique. Get the fundamentals right. That's the part of the coaching staff that I love compared to previous regimes. Next question from Leighton Stauffer, at Stauffer underscore Leighton. Based on what you and Kevin Dern talked about on the Sunday-Monday podcast, it seems our defense doesn't quite have the same fits for the scheme Flores wants to run. How, if at all, do you think this will affect the amount of snaps certain formations get? I That's a great question because they are going to base this around what they have, and stuff like in-game injuries can have an impact as far as what you run from a defense, just like I mentioned with Chandler Cox. If he goes down and 21 personnel suddenly becomes something you can't run, that's a problem. So that could be the same issue here. But I also think they found a way to go after guys like from the AAF, like in the UDFA period, like J. Ron Elliott, for instance, the linebacker. Those 
Those are guys that fit specific roles that could kind of carve out that niche spot on the roster and give you 30 or 40% of the snaps in that specific role. I don't think they're going to pull things back. I think they will try to find a way to plug guys into those spots, but they definitely will put guys in positions that make them most likely to succeed going forward. I hope that makes sense. I know that was kind of a convoluted description, but I think that makes sense in my mind. Next question comes from Jason Palumbo at JJBobo4. Despite his abrupt absences, Ricky Williams was the most talented Miami Dolphins running back ever. Loved watching him play. Do you agree? Look, I argue that Ricky Williams is one of the best running backs to ever play the game in general. 10,000 rushing yards with basically losing three yards out of his pri- or three years out of his prime. The combination of speed and power was unlike anything you've ever seen. I tweeted out that video of him doing the spin move on Ed Reed the other day. Just ridiculous, ridiculous athleticism and balance. And not only that, but the vision to see that play coming from the backside of the formation. And then there's that play against Rodney Harrison where he kind of does a sidestep, a little jump cut where he gets depth gaining out wide to the field side of the formation. And that kind of stuff is so impressive for a guy who weighed 220 pounds and could run you over and stiff arm you and throw you into the turf. Easily the Dolphins' most talented running back of all time. You might say Larry Sanka, but come on, like, let's be real about this. Ricky Williams is far more talented and he's one of the best running backs to ever play the game. Next question from Ocean Jackson, at Ocean underscore Jackson. Longtime fan of the show. Keep it up, man. Thank you very much. Outside of Rose and Fitz, is there a camp battle you're most intrigued by? Great question, sir, because I intend to do a preseason camp battles I'm most looking forward to piece here in the coming weeks. Probably after OTAs wraps up, I'll have that done. But I definitely have one. And actually, I'll say I have two because one of them... I'm not sure that anyone's going to compete with Eric Rowe for the number two cornerback job, but I want to see where those guys behind him stack up between Jalen Davis, Cornell Armstrong, and Torrey McTire. The undrafted guys I like, like Nick Needham, I think there's a big logjam there, and I'm excited to see how that shakes out for the number two or number three role because Eric Rowe, he's going to get hurt. It happens every year, and we need to have someone ready to step in for Rowe if and when that does happen. But my number one answer would be the offensive line and just trying to figure out where these guys are going to go as far as... Chris Reed, Jesse Davis. Does Jordan Mills get a crack in there? I prefer Chris Reed at right guard, Jesse Davis at right tackle with Michael Dieter at left guard, but I don't know if the Dolphins feel the same way. So that position will be very, very interesting. Okay, we're going to take a short break here on the podcast and come back and wrap up the rest of the mailbag as well as my quarterback ratings. But first, I want to let you guys know that this episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network is brought to you in part by Untuck It because men come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. You ever wonder why your button-up shirts look so long and baggy and frumpy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off the casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy and that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, no tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code LOCK, that's L-O-C-K, untuckit.com, promo code LOCK to get 20% off your first order. It's a beautiful Friday out here in the Pacific Northwest. We wrapped up our fifth or fourth and fifth wins of the softball season on Wednesday night. I had a rough start, had a really rough streak there where I made several outs in a row. Very uncommon for me, even going back to my baseball days, 
Not many droughts like that one, but I broke out of it in a big way with a triple off the fence. That was big time for me to get things going. The team is now 5-1, and one, and we are cruising right along back, hopefully to become the Buffalo Bills and lose our fourth consecutive championship game. But that's not what you're here for. Let's get back into these mailbag questions. I have two more. First one here from Rabbit Zojo. He is at Rabbit Zojo on Twitter. Has football season started yet? I got bad news. It has not, and it's not going to for a few more months. But I feel you, man. I'm already dragging behind because my baseball team is garbage. Basketball, the playoffs are winding down. I'm not much of a hockey guy. I fell way out of the soccer world when the United States did not qualify for the World Cup. That basically took me out of my soccer fandom. We got Liverpool coming up in the UEFA Champions League final. I'm a Liverpool fan, though I'm not that diehard like I used to be. So go Liverpool. But then it's a total grind until the season gets here in September. All right, last question here from Mark Rutherford at Sasquatch213. Given the new NFL Academy in London and the fact that the international pathway players don't count against roster numbers, do you think we'll see an increase in international players from the current level, which is currently right around 3%, so Mark says. And I think that the NFL is trying their best to expand the brand globally, and that's part of what... Henry Hodgson from the NFL Media does. He's been on the podcast two times now. A big Dolphins fan. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL UK Hank. He's a good dude and a good guest in the podcast. But I know he is the basically the guy that runs that entire operation. And I believe that he does have the vision to make that stuff happen more frequently and get guys overseas more involved in the game. Hell, there's already been a big increase from what it was five years ago to now. So I think absolutely, yeah, you can see a lot more guys that make the jump from overseas to becoming American football players. It's cool to see. Okay, I've been hesitant to do this segment for a while now. Let's go ahead and roll it out anyways, my 1 through 32 quarterbacks. And I want it to be advised that in doing this, I was thinking about the 2019 season and who is still productive. But I also took into account the future of those players' longevity and where they fit in that way. So that's why you're going to see Tom Brady and Drew Brees probably a little bit lower than you would expect because... While I think they'll be very good in 2019, they aren't going to have much longer of a career. And so that was factored into things. We're going to do this thing by tiers. I'll name off some names and then we'll talk about it. We start here with 32 through 30. I went with Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, and Dwayne Haskins. Eli Manning, the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL, as well as Joe Flacco, 31. It's been that way for quite some time now. People just haven't quite caught on, I guess, especially in New York. I feel very bad for Giants fans. Dwayne Haskins, by virtue of being a rookie that I think will start, comes in right there. The next list of guys is all young players that haven't quite made their splash on the league just yet. Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, and Jameis Winston. I don't think highly of any of these quarterbacks just yet. I think Darnold has the best chance to climb out of it. Winston and Mariota have basically been bust at this point, and we all know that we hope and think Josh Rosen can be a future star quarterback for the Dolphins. The next group, Trubisky, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Derek Carr, and Lamar Jackson, the 20th best quarterback in 2019. I think Jackson gets a lot of negative heat for the things he did last year. He was in- integral in the Ravens' push into the playoffs last season. Easy for me to say on that comment there. But I think that he has a chance to really go forward next year with his passing ability. I'm not a huge Nick Foles guy. I think Mitch Trubisky is very overrated. Derek Carr falls into that list as well. The next group of guys, Jimmy Garoppolo, number 19, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, and Dak Prescott. I probably think higher of Dak Prescott than most people do. I think Jared Goff benefits more from that scheme than anything else. 
though he has certainly proved me wrong when I thought he was going to be a massive bust. And Matt Stafford right around 17 and Kirk Cousins at 18. That's about where the cutoff is for franchise-level quarterbacks in terms of, okay, I feel good about having my future at the position. Below that, you're probably in dicey need or you have a young guy that has to play better and prove himself. The next group of guys, 10 through 14. Number 14, Cam Newton. 13, Ben Roethlisberger. 12, Deshaun Watson. Matt Ryan. And number 10, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, if he's healthy, jumps into the top five almost instantly. He was fantastic in 2017 before he got hurt. I think the world of Matt Ryan, he's a very smart, cerebral quarterback who's very underrated. Ben Roethlisberger has been kind of on a bit of a gradual decline the last few years, and that's why he falls in there. Plus, he's always hurt, and the age doesn't help him either. We go into the top nine here. Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, number eight. I know everyone's going to hate that, especially when I list off Kyler Murray at number seven. I just think the world of Kyler Murray, you guys know that. I think he's going to have an instant impact and be an instant star, much in the way Baker Mayfield was, where Mayfield comes in at number five, right ahead of Drew Brees at number six. Brees tailed off a little bit towards the end of the year last year, and we're going to say that maybe that was part of the age wearing down on Drew Brees. So top five, Baker Mayfield comes in at number five, Andrew Luck at number four, Russell Wilson number three, Aaron Rodgers number two, and Patrick Mahomes number one for the quarterback I want on my roster in 2019 and beyond. Aaron Rodgers maybe comes down a little bit with the age if he kind of falls apart, and it hasn't been a great run for him recently, but he's still one of the best of all time to do it, so he gets number two. Russell Wilson does so much for a bad offensive line and bad offensive play calls and bad offensive everything in Seattle. He comes in at number three. Andrew Luck, I thought his career was over with a shoulder injury. Clearly it's not. He's elite. And Baker Mayfield, I expect big, big things out of him. I was a big fan of his game in college, big fan of his game last year, his rookie season, and I think he will only continue to pick that up and be one of the best players in the NFL at the position. So go ahead and tweet me. Tell me how stupid this list was. Tell me how wrong it was. Or tell me how much you agree because I know that everybody out there will agree. And I want to give you guys a reminder that the podcast is going to take a day off on Monday. I know, crazy. I think it's been since like last year this time when I took my last day off of the podcast. Five days a week, every single day, every single week for over a year now. So we're going to take a break on Memorial Day. But I will have a podcast out Monday night on Memorial Day for Monday night, Tuesday morning for you guys to get your daily dose that way. But as for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, that's going to do it. But I want to tell you guys first about the best belt in the universe, Grip 6, where their goal is to make literally the best belt that has ever been made. And I think they've accomplished it. I owned a Grip 6 belt. It's fantastic. Grip 6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. They have a great women's collection you can find at Grip6.com. Ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flaps, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against your waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt with those features, the no holes, no flap, and no bulk. And Grip 6 has a special offer for our listeners right now. Go to Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K, for a special promo code to save some money off your order. That's Grip6.com, Grip 6, the best belt in the world. Okay, let's go ahead and get out of here. And I will remind you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on the Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the Adolphus Washington 
free agent film analysis piece up there live right now. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday night for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, everybody. Right.